Welcome to the Genuine Gals Podcast, where we talk about real shit in a fun way. Just two gal pals talking about life like we're out to lunch. Let's get into it. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode. We are going to backtrack a little bit and revisit a topic that we did a couple of episodes ago on self-compassion. Cammie introduced this book, and it's pretty thorough, but if y'all remember... I got real stuck on one word. And so we kind of went down a rabbit hole and I just couldn't get unstuck. So my bad, (laughs) we're going to revisit it and try and redeem that because there's a lot to learn there. And I think I kind of prevented it. I prevented the learning in my (laughs) headedness, which can happen. So I'm going to get out of my way. Cammie's done more of a deep dive. So we're going to try and move past the stuck point <laughs> and learn more. Okay, let's get into it. So if you guys remember, we talked about the book Real Self-Care um, by Pooja Lakshman. She does a really, really great job of like presenting an idea, really talking about it, coming full circle. There's so many nuggets. I don't know about you guys, when I, but when I read books like this that are very self-help, um, I tend to like prolong my reading of them because there's just so much good on each page. They feel like I need to absorb it, put it into practice and like come back. So what I tried this go around, especially since we talked about self-compassion and this like one piece of it that um, we talked about before, just simply the ideas of um, someone that this author references of like, um, you know, three components of self-compassion and I'll, I'll watch your all's whistle and remind you what it was, um, replacing self-judgment with self-kindness, recognizing your shared humanity and being curious about negative thoughts instead of believing them as the immediate truth. So if you'll remember, we kind of got a little stuck on the, um, self-judgment versus self-kindness. I, I got stuck. <laughs> I got stuck. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, I think that that was okay because I do think it was something that we needed to work out also at the same time. So I want to preface by saying, Gail, even though we're revisiting this, I'm so glad we're revisiting this. I think getting stuck on things like that is also really important. So let's just put that out there first and foremost, Um, because I do think it's worth like We all have these different points of view, and I think that we need to, like, rectify not just with ourselves, but also, like, with our audience and, you know, whatever of, like, no, 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 this is where my brain's at. Like, let's just, let's just harp on this for a second because I need everyone to understand why this is such a big deal because it is. That's a really big deal. Um, so yeah, go listen to that episode, um, and see what you got. I'm, it is episode 20, no, 19, episode 19. It's called literally self-compassion. So (laughs) go check that one out. Um, so yeah. Um, anyways, 
what I think we, I also failed to do in that one too, was like, I stopped reading. I literally read two pages into this topic within this book and I stopped reading because I thought these ideas were so profound. But if I had kept going, there's so much more to unpack here that, um, I'm really excited that we're revisiting this. So, um, the next piece of this kind of pie, or you can also, I think we could also just get into kind of where your thoughts kind of lead you as self-compassion, Gail. You know, I don't, I think I'm just so limited in my understanding of it. And like, I've not done any research on the psychological benefits. I understand that like, it can be a slippery slope where you, where my, my limitation is, I don't, I don't think it's healthy to cross into the land of coddling yourself and just, you know what I mean? Like not being truthful and like judging yourself accurately. So that's where I, that's why I got stuck. Yeah. You know, just because that could be a slippery slope doesn't mean it is for most people. So I, I honestly have to digress. I love, I love that because I do think it's really interesting. She does. I thought of you when I was reading the remainder of this chapter, because she literally says everything that we like kind of talk about in terms of like healthy criticism. And, um, let me find exactly where she says it literally they're italicized. So I should be able to see exactly, um, the verbiage she used because, Oh, collecting data, collecting data. Like this is what we're doing. So anyways, um, I, you know, I think that there is something, a lot of what she kind of goes into and that I fully validate in terms of like psychologically, let me back up. Let me just restart. Cause I'm really excited because there's just so good. And it's already helped me within the matter of a day of reading this. Um, so I'll, I'll give you all a little bit of a personal story. So basically I am, and most people are, are, I'm, I'm my worst critic. So like, I am the hardest on myself. I, but I want to be better at that because I get myself into these deep, dark holes. So when you say accurately judging yourself, that is the lens that like, I don't know if it's accurate or not. I have zero regard. I don't have any point of reference if it's accurate. Like I have to collect the data around me. And even still, sometimes the collecting of the data doesn't change my mind that I fucked up. But my brain is like not used to messing up. Like I'm I'm genuinely not, I'm not used to making mistakes like this. And so even though I'm hearing the words, it's going to be okay. On my reaction piece, I am then going in this like dark hole from the point of like end of day to the very beginning of the next day. And sometimes even through a weekend sitting there being like, okay, what do I do? And I have to figure out how to tame my inner critic to understand what's actually in front of me and not basing it off of my previous experiences. So that's where a lot of this stuff gets into. And I think it's all self-compassion of like just rephrasing or reframing 
the way that you're talking to yourself. Um, and I think she does a beautiful job in this book talking about that. She goes into various aspects of like taming martyr mode. So like, oh, we could get in. That's a whole, whole topic. <laughs> um, you can only imagine there. Um, and I liked this one a lot because she gets into naming your inner critic. Um, and I think it's probably because I'm watching Gilmore Girls right now, but I think it's so, it's helped already. Like I, okay, where, where this comes from. Okay. So picture everyone, picture Emily Gilmore, right? She is the perfect martyr, but she also is like super critical and she also takes things so personally and all the things, right? Like she is just epitome of coming at you. So I decided that my inner critic is named Emily Gilmore. So her instruction in this book is like, find someone in pop culture that resonates with you, that you can like kind of separate your inner voice. One of she says there's like three or more inner voices, which I believe in too. Like I can talk to my inner critic all day long and be like, shut up, shut up, shut up. Like that is not the truth, but yet it's still there. And like deeply, I feel what the inner critic is telling me um, and not the nice one, like Willow sitting off to the side being like, kumbaya, everything's fine. Like, I don't feel the feelings of kumbaya. I feel like I'm crumbling. So <laughs> Anyways, as I'm ranting about this, I just think it's it's already helped so much to like, I don't know, probably it's called disassociation, but it's not. It's just like giving name to it and kind of helping it um, soften in a way that can, I don't know, get you to just see that there are different reasons why your critic is so hard and so hard on you. Um, she also goes into like, who does the voice sound most like? So not just like a pop culture, but that had to originate from somewhere. So like, was it your mom? Was it a teacher? Was it a friend? Like, where did it come from? So I'll stop there. Cause I feel like I just went on this big, excited rant about all the things. And I feel like you got some some interesting tidbits. Yeah, no, at the onset, the beginning talking about talking about you feeling a certain way about an action. And my first inquiry was, okay, how much of that is projecting because you're putting yourself in their shoes and you wouldn't like that. And then I remembered uh, an interaction I had this week where someone projected all of these emotions onto me <laughs> and I had to be like, okay, hold on back up. I'm not feeling any of those things. They had worked themselves up. Like you're probably scared. You're probably angry. You're probably all these things. I totally understand, but there's nothing I can do for you. And I was like, I literally asked a question, like, how do you think somebody got my email address? I was on the phone with customer support. And I'm just curious because I'm like, okay, well, what's my next step? If you can't do anything for me, I'm just curious, y'all have, you know, acclaimed security. So I, I don't feel afraid. I don't feel mad. I know it's not your fault. You know, I was just super calm and she just like worked herself up and projected all these things. And I was like, hey, 
I don't feel any of those things. And she was like, okay, good. Yeah. So I think you just need to do, you know, and like had to work herself back down. And I was like, that's an interesting, it was the weirdest interaction, but I do think that people project, okay, well, if I were in their shoes, I would feel this way. And that can be disorienting. Right. And then the other, the most recent thing I ended on was like, while you're talking about Emily Gilmore, your critic, which I think is perfect by the way, and just watching her character grow and her dynamic with her daughter and her granddaughter grow, like those are the most meaningful scenes in my opinion. Every time I watch it, I cry. Like last night I cried Mm -hmm. um, about a dynamic that they were having. And um, I don't know if the character herself is always accurate, but I'm wondering if like, how do you feel about your Emily Gilmore inside? Mm -hmm. Is she like when she criticizes you, even if it's harsh and mean, is it true? Because sometimes mean things are still true. And maybe the self-compassion piece is telling the truth nicely and tactfully or kindly or something. And so you decide to figure out a different way to do it. But so those were the two thoughts I had, the projecting piece and then the, well, but even if it's mean, is it true? And how, like, do you think you just have to reframe it? Yeah. Well, on the first one, and that situation to me, <clears throat> being that I've been in customer service, I almost guarantee she has had many customers who have been in your shoes and is basing it off of like past customers' reactions. <laughs> so, or she just had one on the phone. So you never know. Like, yeah, projecting how she would feel, but also probably trying to like, calm herself down from like a most recent conversation she had. I that's interesting though that that was like you weren't worked up at all and she just came at you like yeah could- and also I'm in customer service now and dealt with that's two true. people last week that got all worked up on the customer end and I don't get worked like it's if you're in customer service and yeah. you're the one that's getting worked up, you, you're in the wrong business. <laughs> oh, totally. Totally. Like, you, yes, 100%. Like she needed to take a breath before she put herself back in the queue for that one. God, and she was the supervisor. Oh gosh. Yeah. So, I mean, the, the girl was like, let me, the girl that I dealt with was great. And she was like, let me go get my supervisor because this is strange. And man, she interrupted me. She got, oh, it was so crazy. I was like, hold on. (laughs) You're like driving a train. They call it the elephant and the rider, right? Mm -hmm. So her elephant was just taking off. Her element, elephant, the animal part of your brain that just takes off with your emotions and like being gripped and stuff. And I'm not like that. I used to be. I think everyone goes through maybe a phase where they're like that, but like, you don't do that in professional settings, but it was interesting. Anyways, sorry, not to hijack. (laughs) No, no, you're good. I think that is the emotional piece of it all. I think is a lot of times what not gets in the way, but does cloud the brain. Like I know I've definitely had emotions run high before, not necessarily in in a work setting, but where you almost like black out. You're like, I don't know who just showed up, but, um, that was not an accurate representation of me and like emotions just got away from you. So yeah, that is, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. In that setting though. Um, cool. Yeah. Yeah. And then the second, the second piece of it. Oh man. 
Remind me what the second piece was. <laughs> I just um, even if it's mean criticism, is it mostly oh, yeah. accurate? Like, are, is yeah. Emily Gilmore accurate? Emily accurate. Well, here's the thing. I don't think so. Not all the time. I don't. I think it's a 50-50 or you know, 60-40. But I think, like in the situation that I described earlier, like I could not get myself out of it in the moment. Like I was telling myself what the truth was of it is going to be okay. But until I saw the solution and I saw that everything was going to be okay, my mind couldn't, couldn't orient to the place of like, you made a mistake. It's okay. And everything's going to work out fine. So there's definitely, definitely many elements there of like worry and self-deprecation in the sense of like, I'm not allowed to mess up. Like I hold myself to a standard of perfection or something that I'm just not allowed to, or something like that. Um, Okay. I don't want to get stuck again, but I feel like this is the crux, right? Because your inner critic saying you messed up, that part is correct. Right. But the, and they, they use this in cognitive behavioral therapy the aggrandizing and it's never going to be okay. And it's always going to be sucky or, you know, whatever they have like these rules that you have to get people unstuck out of in order for them to have healthy psychological lives. So, and it sounds like you're drawing a line right now, but I do, I just wanted to point it out because I'm like, I think I don't want to breeze over that. Yeah, no, I mean, yes. The thing is, is like recognizing, I, I feel like, cause I asked my husband, I was like, how do you, how do you get over stuff like this? And he was like, you just accept it. Huh. And I was like, <clears throat> man, hitting me with the one-liners. Okay. How do I do that? And he was like, you just do. I was like, great. Thanks so much. Um, and like, it sounds so easy. And I think, I mean, I, I did so many different things. I, I did my yoga, I did my walk and I was like, I just need some space to think. And like almost, um, almost negotiate with myself, if you will, of like, okay, what are the facts? Like, let's work it out to the point where we're really sorting through mm-hmm. exactly what happened. Mm-hmm. And of course, you know me, I did that already 10 times before I decided, okay, let's actually do this because I I felt like I was irrationally focusing on different parts that didn't tell the full story to my brain. Okay. Um, And so then once I did that, I did feel a little better, but I still had this like pit in my stomach of like, I need this to be sorted out now. And if it is not sorted out now, I'm just going to feel this way. And so, yeah, I don't know. Like, because I was trying to pinpoint when I'm naming Emily Gilmore, I'm like trying to pinpoint also like at what point could I have shut her down? And I think it's more so it would have helped of like, yes, I know I made a mistake. Yes, I know it's going to be okay eventually. Do I have that result yet? No, but. I still have Emily Gilmore in the back of my head saying, well, you still messed up. 
you know, and it's like, at what point is it going to stop? Like if I, let's say I had to wait two weeks to get a result, like I can't be sitting in this turmoil, right? Like at some point I have to just be okay and accept it. So I don't know the answer to that at this point. I haven't gotten that far in the sense of like, is that self-compassion? Is that rationalizing? Is that um, purely just something? I think I, if I had to hypothesize without someone telling me the answer, it's more so a bigger issue. (laughs) It's more so just like figuring out why making mistakes and perfectionism are just this detriment. I've, I've tried to work through that and we can really get into my nitty gritty here, like happy to, but I don't know if we need to go down that path. So I'll stop there because I could really, really, I'm trying to be better at rabbit holes, um, and not go down them, but, um, we can save that for a different combo. Um, so I think in terms of like self-compassion in that moment, like, I do think that she was accurate in saying, well, you shouldn't have said that. And it's like, yeah, you're right. I shouldn't have. But then when she keeps saying it, I'm like, okay, cool. Chill out. Like, let's put her on the back burner for a second. You know, and like, I think that that's helpful. I'm just kind of allowing her to be a... I think I get hard on myself when I'm Cause what happened was then I, I turned to being hard on myself for being hard on myself, <laughs> which is a vicious cycle. So I think it's just like, anyways, I think naming the inner critic did help in this, in some sense or could help more in the future. Um, and it, I, there are, are a couple different reasons why she says some of that. Um, <clears throat> and it, it is, it's rationalizing with yourself. So it's like being able to talk to the voices almost and being yeah. able to say, okay, Al, that hurt. Like, or, okay, who do you think you are? You can't talk to me that way, you know? And like, really, she uses an example, which is, we say this all the time of like, okay, I mean, not all the time, but like you're kinder to like everyone else around you, but like not yourself. So like you can say those words, like, would you ever say those words to me? (laughs) Like, I think that that's such a good example. It's like, if I'm talking to myself and I can catch myself and be like, would you ever say those words to Gail? No, especially because our relationship were pretty straightforward. Like if I truly would never say them to you, like I shouldn't not that I shouldn't be saying them to myself, but more so like, let's rephrase that. Like, let's be a little bit more considerate of ourselves. Do you have an example? Like what words? Um, <clears throat> I'm trying to think of like for myself. Um, so I'm thinking like, um, I'm a failure after making a mistake, obviously, like you can fail at things and not be just like characterized as a failure. Right. Yeah, That's a good one. But also like, that's different than I failed at this thing. So that's why I'm 
the language piece is so important, right? It can, you can say one thing and it be true and then use a lot of the same words, but just frame it in a way that's not true. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, I think that's exactly it is jumping all the way to like, I'm a failure. And I think that sometimes I can also have the feeling of being a failure, but I didn't necessarily tell myself I'm a failure, if that makes sense. So I think what this is saying is like, I would never say to you like, Gail, you're a failure because you did that. You know, we would talk through, okay, well, why did that happen? Okay. Yeah. Probably not the best, but here's how we're going to problem solve. And yeah, you maybe failed in that moment, but we're going to, you know, you're going to move past it. Yeah. And so that is like what it's saying of like, you jumped all the way to failure when you could have just like said you failed and you're going to fix it and it's yes. done. Yeah. And, but I, I can't get past the done. Like I, it's not done. So I really fully believe that I'm shedding past scenarios and orienting myself properly to the current situation. Um, and it's just taking some time. And so that piece I'm also hard on myself on, like, you don't need time. Like, look at what's in front of you. You have the best situation. But, but also, you know, like that's what, that's what CBT cognitive behavioral therapy does. Like they literally address those kind of narratives that you build up in those environments. Right. So it's so, it's so common, um, especially with people that have not, and like punishment's going to come for you one way or another, whether that's from humans or life's just going to give it to you. Right. Like that is something where I'm like. I know that to be true. Like, right. And, and also I respect that. And I, yeah, like this, and I haven't, like I'm making these incremental, it's kind of like a, a kid, right? Like a kid tests boundaries, they poke holes and they try to see how far they can get and get away with. And that's not necessarily what I'm doing of like getting away with, but it's more so like, I'm just learning how to walk and like figure out that my legs can like actually take me over here and like, oh, wow, they can, you know, wiggle and shake and do all these things. And I think that it, that's it. Like, I'm just a baby learning how to walk and like figure out where I'm going. Um, Yeah. That's how every new environment is. You're figuring out what stones you can step on and which ones you can't. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But I also think that like I do in those scenarios have to be kinder to myself. Um, but I also think that some of, some of the harshities make me who I am in the sense of like, I, yeah, I don't know, like wanting to be so operationally sound and wanting to be so like, I don't want to mess up for that person. Like we need to get it right, you know, and like checks and balances are so important when it comes to personnel. And like, I think that that's, I'm, I'm not just going to go on a whim. Like, yep, let's do that. It's like, no, let's talk about it. You know, like let's, let's uncover, like let's flip over all the potential stones so that we can make sure we're doing right by this person. Like, I think that that is also like, I don't have the fear. That's the other thing I think would be surprising in this scenario is I never have the fear of messing up. Like, <clears throat> even though I've messed up a couple of times, I don't, I also on the flip side, don't have the fear 
of messing up, preventing me from taking action. So I think that that's also such an interesting piece of it is I think it could lead a lot of people to believe that that could be a piece of the pie, but I'm, I'm still full steam ahead taking on action. But when I do mess up, it's like, it's, it is, it's detrimental, but I think there is a piece of perfectionism that just needs to be removed of this isn't going to be perfect. It's going to be sticky. It's going to be awful in some scenarios. I don't want it to be, but it's going to be. Yeah. And do you know how to get to a point where you can, you know, everything you're saying, I think is accurate, right? Yeah. I mean, I think it'll take practice. Like practice makes perfect. The more reps you get in, the more normal it'll feel like there. Listen, I'm fully aware that not everyone is going to be pleased with everything I say, or I'm not going to say the most perfect thing to everyone all the time. Like, but we can do as much as we can to get it as right as we can. But the more you kind of, again, it's just like walking, like the more you practice, the better you get. So I think it just is going to be learning, learning, like, and the more that we like solve problems together, whether I caused them or not, like it's going to feel better as we go along. Okay. I'm going to take this back to the book. I know we, we love a rabbit hole and just kind of drilling down on some things, but I'm going to just say some headlines that she's got here and we can dig into some of them. So we talked about the martyr mode and then one that she digs into is dialing down the shame, um, coming from a place of good enough. Um, distinguishing between your critic, your critic and your drive. I think that one's kind of, we touched on that a little bit of like the drive forward and what keeps you going. I thought that was really, really powerful in the sense of like, we have to, like you said, self-judge in order to keep leveling up, if you will. Um, Then there's kind of acknowledging that perfection doesn't exist. So we kind of talked a little bit about that too. Um, Invest in receiving. That's a big one. I think a lot of, she goes into a lot of moms, um, like receiving help, being more inconvenient. Like you said, projecting your feelings on someone else. So they think that the other person's being inconvenient by offering, inconvenienced by offering the help. But in reality, it's giving them pleasure to offer the help. Um, and that is showing yourself compassion just by receiving the help, um, get curious about your anger. That was another interesting one. Connect with your body, um, choosing rest. And then I really love the wrap up. I mean, of course she goes into like when to seek professional help, but then she gives like a whole self-compassion checklist, um, so some of the headlines I just listed, like I very much goes into some of that, but I do think that, I don't know which piece of that do you want to dive into? Cause there's so much, there's so much there and like aspects of it. Um, yeah. What do you, what do you think? 
Uh, I really like the shame piece and the anger one was interesting to me. So can you talk a little bit more about those? Yeah. So the shame part. Okay. So when we think of shame versus guilt is what she gets into, which I thought was super powerful differentiating the two. Um, it's, she uses the example of failure versus failed. So like the shame comes from, let me get this right. Um, the shame is the whole picture, right? So, um, labeling yourself with whatever label. So the big, it's it, that's it. You, you're a whole failure. Whereas the guilt is like, I failed, but that's a bad example. So let's go into the one that she uses is like being a bad mom for yelling at your kids, um, is shame. Whereas the guilt is like, dang, I messed up for yelling at my kids. I shouldn't have done that. Mm. Um, and so I think what I gather from this is like recognizing it is a big part of it. Um, but I also think that it's pretty powerful to just recognize that you're going to have guilt, but like full on shame and like labeling yourself as a bad mom is not helpful. Like it's not accurate. It's not true. And like you're, you're putting yourself in a hole for no reason. So I don't know. I think, I think this is also where some of that good enough comes into of like, you're not, you're, you're doing the best that you can type scenario. Um, and like giving yourself a little bit of credit. Hmm. Yeah. It's like, again, that Christian notion of love the sinner, hate the sin when it comes to yourself, how do you love yourself while also being okay with not being okay with some of the things that you've done? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, I think, I think a lot of times, I mean, yelling is a great, great one to come at. Cause I do think I never intend to raise my voice, even at my dogs. And I feel so guilty that I like do it. And I'm like, oh my gosh, am I going to be that way as a mother? Like I never want to yell at my kids. Like that's just not warranted. And then I think of like, even if I yell at Zach, which never happens, like we try very hard not to raise our voices. Um, The only time I yell is when I'm like hollering more so across the house, like, (laughs) So I, yeah, I think it's, yeah, I, I, the guilt of it should weigh heavy, right? Like I think that, but at what point do you dispel that and you say, okay, I feel guilty for that. Let's right the wrong and move on. Right. At, like at what point do you know you've learned from it? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it's like guilt to me is like punishing yourself in a way. Um, maybe it's because we don't trust ourselves. So then maybe the shame is like over punishing because we don't trust ourselves to learn from it or something. Right. Yeah. 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 And that's where she gets into the practice of like practicing good enough is like, okay, so, you know, 
Like, let's, let's go through the facts here. Like I'm tired. I, and not, not making excuses, but more so like considering the facts and like what just happened. Okay, great. Like let's learn from it and move on. And like, I think that's where self-compassion really is, is just giving yourself grace and like understanding that you're human. Like you're again, like we, perfection is not going to happen. So like, let's, let's just like give ourselves a little pat on the back and just say, I did the best I could in the moment. Is it, would I make that decision again? Probably not. Um, what's the best I can do right now? I can learn from it. Now I am not a mother. So I think that some of that is a lot easier said than done. Like I, I, Again, the biggest one I have that's current is the work scenarios. So, but I'm not going to go and digress back into that stuff. It's more so like, yeah, how can we, how can we learn and grow and move on and provide the grace we need to do that? So I think there are just so many tools in here. Like, and again, she really brings it full circle and being able to like, okay, we'll name the critic and talk to that person in, in that way to be able to kind of like calm it down and lessen the guilt and lessen the shame and just revert it back to like what you need in order to properly orient to whether that be take action, right? Like, let's say you yelled, okay, well, what led to that yelling? Like, I'm not getting enough sleep. I'm not having enough time with myself. Okay. Let's set a boundary so that you can then do those actions so that you can be the best version of yourself so that you're not pushed to the point of yelling. Yes. Yeah. What made me, what, what brought me here? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Do the yeah. math. What's the formula? Do the that, math. Like, yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know if you ever read this book, but a long time ago, I read The Gifts of Imperfection by Brene Brown. And I feel like all of this is wrapped up. And she was the first person that introduced the difference between guilt and shame. And like the tool. I think she talks about Brene Brown in here, actually. Yeah. Yeah. I love that you said that. Okay. Yeah. I don't remember enough of it. it It's been, oh God, over 10 years since I read it. So but part of me wants to revisit. I do have it on my bookshelf. Um, and she's published a lot of other books too. I don't know how much of it continues with the shame piece, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's so much to dig into when it comes to shame. I mean, I think shame and trauma go hand in hand, right? So you, there's always a lot to dig into. And I, I think the biggest part of this whole thing, because that sounds like a big, big thing to bite off and chew on, I I think. But in terms of how we look at self-compassion is like, you're not just going to all of a sudden wake up one day and have it figured out. Like it's a continual journey. It's always going to, it's a practice essentially. Just said the word practice really weird. Um, <laughs> but it's, it is, it's a practice of like with yourself of like trying to figure it out. And that's what Pooja really like focuses in on is like, Hey, I'm not, I'm not trying to give you a magic spell or magic formula. That's one day going to make you all of a sudden have self-compassion for yourself. Like it's really like, it's a journey, um, a continual journey. So 
I don't know if we prefaced that at all in our last one. I honestly can't remember, but um, let's just say that one more time here. And like, I, I think it also can look very different for everyone. That's why she has so many different aspects of it outlined too, because the anger piece might not resonate with you at all, but the part about shame and guilt could, or vice versa. Like you might not be a shameful person or like have that harbored in you, but like you get angry a lot. Like, okay, great. Like, let's look at it. Like, I think that's the biggest thing. I definitely resonate with just about all of them. So I, I don't know about you, Gail, but a lot of them, I think all of them, I'm like, yeah, I could get a tidbit from there. Yeah. I think it honestly depends on the realm. Yeah. Because my past stuff, I, I do feel like there could be a lot of shame there, but it's really cool. Like, I think I told you, I told a brief Cliff Notes version of my story to some friends when they asked why my family wasn't yeah. at my wedding. And their response was not, oh, so sorry. Or, you know, it wasn't negative. It was just like, wow, really cool that you're here today and how far you've come. And for me, I'm like, you know, that's, that's part of the reason why you own that stuff. You know, like, it's so easy to be like, I don't want to be seen as that. I don't want to be seen as someone who doesn't have, you know, some of those things, but it's also really cool to be seen as someone who took that and, and spun it into something better. So, yeah, I don't know. I I do think that it just depends on the realm, like with work stuff, it it probably shame creeps in a little bit more, but I do think I have a much better, a a much more balanced view of, Mm. yeah, it's okay. Like it's easy for me to just like, let it go and be like worst case scenario. And this is why worst case scenario thinking helps me a lot because I can kind of watch it like a video. Okay. Let's watch what the worst case scenario is like, what, why am I freaking out about this? Why am I so ashamed of this? Oh, because this could happen, right? The punishment mm-hmm. and the, the judgment. And so I watch it happen. And then I'm, and this is what EMDR treatment teaches you to do with your tra- traumatic memories, by the way, you watch it happen and say, okay, is there a way out? Yeah. And am I big enough and strong enough to do that? Yeah. So, okay, let's move on. Like Mm -hmm. the worst case scenario happens. I have a plan. I'm treating myself like I'm big enough and smart enough to make a plan and execute that plan. And I have the reason, right? Like I can garner the resources. And so I think that that for me, like when it does come for me, I'm well equipped to, and I honestly think like probably therapy and EMDR treatment gave me those tools. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I think that's such a good point. I mean, coming from a place of even at work, like what's the worst they can do, right? They're going to fire you. Okay, cool. I can deal with that. Moving on. Like, I think that that is, I I don't know. I I, I mean, if you can handle that, then you, you can handle a lot, right? But I also think that like, yeah, I mean, to me, it's like, I'm taking some of these things so to heart because I care so much and I don't want to be fired. You know, like, I'm like, no, this is not, this is not the path I'm going down. So yeah, that's an interesting kind of piece of it, um, in a sense, uh, for sure. And I love that, that like those tools are given. I will say like what recently I read something that said, like, get to know and love, like part of self-love is, loving your younger self, like looking back and, and, and loving little you. 
And it sounded so cheesy. And I was like, let me just take a peek and see what my initial thoughts are. And they are not good. Like, I, not that I like hate her, but I, I very much like, there's definitely something there. You know what I mean? Like, I think that that is such an interesting point that you bring up of like, I guarantee how you, how you tell your story now is different than how you told your story 10 years ago. And the conviction in your voice, the inflection, the details you include, the ownership that you take or whatever it is that you include in that story is different because you've gone through some of that therapy and stuff. And so that also leads people down a path of, wow, how cool that you're here, right? You're leading people to the answer that you're looking for from them rather than like, oh my God, are you okay? You know what I mean? So like, it, that some of that might be subconscious, but I do think tone and all of that do lead people to how they should behave, right? So a um, couple different thoughts there, but I do think like getting to know and like love your younger self is, a, it could be a big part of, it sounds like some of that too. Um, I might have a little bit of work to do there, but um, <laughs> interesting. <laughs> um. Okay. So the anger piece of all of this. So this one was really, really interesting. Um, this one uses, oh my gosh, I'm going to really, really botch this name, but she uses an example from Mashik Labdron, a female master and lineage holder of Buddhism. Um, so she was reported to have remarked that in other traditions, demons are expelled externally. But in my tradition, demons are accepted with compassion. So I think in the terms of religion, like we we talk from a place of Christianity and like demons are, you know, not something that you want to accept. But I think what this is I definitely gearing towards is the fact that like anger can be a demon within you and like those scary dark shadow spots that we, you know, tend to talk about and point out. And yeah, like, I think it's just pointing to the fact that we need to be more compassionate towards the demons that we hold exactly like what you were just saying of like, um, she gets into the fact that like, that is the most, most loathed emotion is anger. Hmm. Um, but I, it's pointing to like different, different pieces of the pie that she's painted out, right? Like looking at the the inner critic and like softening that, that there might be um, something that you're not expressing. So like, because maybe we're suppressing anger because we know that it is not looked upon well, Um that we suppress it. And then by suppressing it, we're also unleashing other things. So like when you press down, you know, a steamer, um, the steam poops out and it like creates this billowing effect. Right. So it's kind of like that, where it's like, you're suppressing all these things, but it's pushing out into other areas. So I don't know. It's, it's an interesting thought of like, well, when can I, when should you rationally express and how, how maybe, um, her examples are really good, but I'll see. What do you think of that? 
You know, I do think I might be a little bit more familiar with shame than anger. I've been on the receiving end of anger and I've felt anger, like irrational anger before that I needed to, but it was like a meta, I'm irrational because I'm too chaotic and liberal and, you know, I've been fed this narrative of hate and I'm angry in general and at this group of people or whatever. Um, But it was so easy for me to be like, oh, I don't have to live with that and shed it, you know? Yeah. I don't know if I have like a natural proclivity to like, even when my friends make mistakes or do something harmful or my initial response is like a cold, oh, you can do better than that. Or yeah, please don't do that anymore. I don't know. I, I, I'm not as familiar and perhaps it creeps up in ways that I'm not paying attention to. So I would definitely like to poke at that a little bit more, maybe next time or in another, that can be a topic. Yeah. I mean, I think, so what, a little bit of what she gets into is like women, especially are kind of asking a she's seen this in her patients that women are asking um, if their feelings of anger are justified or if their feelings, like if they're allowed to feel anger, essentially. Um, And she kind of gets into, I like this line of like feelings are not rational actors. Like I think that, um, what really she's getting at is like, just learn how to feel your feelings and like feel them and sort through them. And just by saying that your anger isn't rational, that's really not doing anything for you. Um, but it's, it's like keeping you from what's actually happening. And so, it's a lot of what we talk about all the time already is like, okay, look at it. Don't just like stomp it out. Like it's a flame that needs to be mm. dampened. It's, it's something that's there. Like if you're angry at your dog for pissing on the carpet, okay, great. That's, that's rational, but you don't want to yell at it because you're afraid it's, you're going to hurt their feelings. It's like, okay, well, no, like you, you have every right to be angry. Um, why don't we look at why it makes you so angry? Okay, great. Yeah, you got brand new carpet. You don't want to have to clean it. Um, you've tried and tried again to teach them. You put in a lot of effort to try to teach them to use the doggy door, and they're just not getting it. And not to mention, you don't have enough sleep and you're blah, blah, blah. Like you can rattle off all the things. So, like, not that you're supposed to rationalize everything, like some of it could be irrational. Okay, great, but still feel it you know, and like, also you could show a little grace to a puppy that is learning how to, you know, use a doggy door. Right. And like, it's maddening. And maybe you have a little bit of a shorter fuse these days. Right. So, but I still think it's, and what she's saying is like, still feel it and like, still like understand it. And I think if you want to tame it, then 
come from a place of understanding, I guess, for yourself. Like, I think there are definitely people that have more anger running through them than others. Um, And I do think it can be scary. Like, I will be the first one to say that when anger comes out of certain people, it can be very scary. And you, you can attest to that as well. Um, but what I, what I think is interesting, especially when you throw kids into that is, you know, we need, maybe we as adults need to be better at explaining the emotion, um, because it does, I mean, think of a, 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 you get it, but I'm trying to explain it. It's like, think of a big man and a small kid and the, you know, they stub their toe and they say, oh, motherfucker. And like, get so angry. Just the fact that they stub their toe to a little five-year-old. It's like, whoa, what just happened to my dad? Like he just had this outburst, you know? And like, obviously you don't want to you want to raise a kid that understands that emotion, not necessarily be afraid of it. You just don't know. So I'm like, okay, what's the difference between righteous anger and unrighteous anger? And what's the difference between frustration and anger? And is that the same difference or similar to a difference between shame and guilt? Like I've just got so many things running through my head that I don't know the answer to. And I want to, because I do think that there is a, a healthy respect to don't poke the sleeping bear and the anger of the father, like the righteous anger of the father, you know, the God, which is like the father um, keeps their children in line. And so there's a, a whole bunch of things floating in my head. I'm like, I need to draw. And this is why we got stuck on the yeah self-judgment with self-kindness last time was like, no, <laughs> I need to draw the line, you know, like sometimes self-judgment's good. Same with anger. Like, isn't sometimes anger good? I have no idea, but like, I I'm operating with that belief. So I just, I think I need, we need to have another topic and I need to do a little bit more research because it frustration manifests in my life, but I don't know if anger does as much anymore and maybe it does. And yeah, I don't know. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I think more so she's getting at just like be curious about it. Don't necessarily like shut it out or try to dampen it. And I also think like it's what I sense that she's saying is like what I picked up from it is what you and I talk about. Like, look at your shadows, like look at look at the things that rub you the wrong way. Don't just shy away from them to try to make it happy, 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 you know, like we'll get this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. No, I ask the questions. Yeah. And like, we're not experts on these emotions for sure, but. And I don't think we have to be, but I think for the purpose of this, I, I just want to assure you that, oh my gosh, yes, this is like a whole nother topic, but for the purpose of this, like it suffices to say that like, yep, look, look at that shit. Like you got it. You got to understand like, some of your buttons, because I think too, I'm not going to sit here and tell my husband, don't press that button, but I am going to sit there and tell him like, if you press it, you're not, it's not going to be sunshine and rainbows. You could, we can press it all day long, but we're going to have a hard and fast discussion of like, I'm, that doesn't make me happy. And here's why, but I, I should have the why I should be able to speak to the why. And if I can't, I need to look and say, listen, I don't know why I'm angry, 
but I'm going to go figure it out and I'll get back to you because I should, I should be able to understand why. Yeah. Yep. And whether or not the why is correct or not, because I do yeah. think it's, it can be irrational, but I do think it's also a rational response sometimes. Yeah. Like your daughter gets raped. Right. I think that's completely, like you can literally demonstrate why that's evolutionarily rational. <laughs> right. I mean? Like, and the reason your daughter stays protected is because you know that the rational fear of, or the rational anger of the father will come after you if you touch his daughter, you know? And so right. like that in a sense is good, but then there's irrational anger. And, you know, I just, I definitely need to do more deep dive into that topic, <laughs> but I'm not going to derail again. <laughs> and we probably should wrap this up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I think at the, the long haul of this whole, you know, self-compassion mixed with self-care and all of that, like, first of all, I highly recommend reading the book, like just do it. Every time I read a chapter, I'm like, everyone needs this. Like, it's just so good. There's just a really good, she's so good at like wrapping things up and giving you the tidbits that you need. Um, and really, I think, I think there's just so much that we can do to ourselves. Um, I think there, I'll say this, there are definitely times when you should go see a professional, um, and go actually seek help, um, outside of friends and books. Um, and she gets into some of that too. Her, she herself is a psychiatrist. So, psychiatrist, psychologist. I always get them mixed up. So don't mark my words. Mm -hmm. Um, she is an MD. So whichever one that one is. Um, and then like, I think from there too, there's also a lot of tools in your tool belt that you can use to help yourself. Um, so what, again, whether that's books and friends or podcasts or whatever it is, like seek outside information to try to help yourself too, and arm yourself with, with the tools you need to kind of, um, to help, because I think living in it, does also manifest into something that can be worse um, mm -hmm. when we can, we can really do the work. Yeah. So, so all of that to say, um, I don't necessarily know that we solved anything here today, but I do think we're bringing up a really, really good topic of let's talk about self-compassion and how we can be kinder to ourselves in a rational, but also critical way um, that helps us drive forward and level up, but also in a way that is kind on the brain. So we did solve my thick headedness a little bit. I think I still, you know, get stuck on some of these terms, but the last time I think there was a huge improvement between <laughs> the place we got stuck because of my, you know, shared definition of you. So well, I do think in the medicines that something was solved. <laughs> I do think you're, you're digging in on, um, you know, the definitions of things can be helpful. Like I definitely, there, you get down to the bottom of it and you want to know. So I also give you some kudos. I take things more at face value and you take things a little bit deeper and I think that's needed. So trust, but verify. Yep, exactly. I literally have that written on a sticky note right next to my desk. So <laughs> There you go. We'll leave you with that one. Trust but verify. Um, okay. Well, thanks for joining us on a, once again, a wild ride of a conversation, but um, yeah, I hope you have a good one. All right. Thanks. Bye. 
Hey, subscribe, rate us, and leave a review. Find us on Instagram, The Genuine Gals. Our website is thegenuinegals.com. We'd love to hear from you guys on, on what you think and honestly, what else you'd like to hear us talk about. So we'll catch you next week.